Please take a moment with me to thank Dr. Andy Blosser, director of our music, and all of these fine musicians. The hustle and the rush is over. The shopping is done. The weather outside is frightful. But here in this space, it's so delightful because you are here. It's the night of nights. It's the holiest of nights. The night when all is calm, all is bright. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, oh, sure, maybe the hustle and the rush is over for you, but I still have a meal to prepare tonight and tomorrow. Or maybe some of you are thinking there's gifts to be wrapped and some of you may even be faced by the three most frightening words of Christmas Eve. Some assembly required. <laughs> I kind of miss those days, and I kind of don't. <laughs> the night is here. It's time to enjoy, to celebrate, to be together with friends and family, to remind ourselves of the greatest gifts given to the world are the ones named peace, love, and joy. Now, you may be stressing a little bit about what's about to happen. Perhaps your family does not have the perfect family Christmas planned, and that's okay. I know some of you will have a, have a family arrive tomorrow, and one of them might be your goofy Aunt Clara, who tells stories that no one understands. Or some of you may have a, a Grandpa Harry. Do you have somebody like this? A grandpa or a grandma or somebody who's just too political? The jello reminds them of those jello-spined politicians running things in Washington, D.C. Here's my advice to you. Embrace the moment. Embrace the ones in your family who aren't quite perfect. Embrace them and love them. Lean into the mess, whatever it might be, and then look carefully at the face of every person you see tonight and tomorrow. If you look with an open mind, you'll see the Imago Dei, the image of God. Whether it's your, your goofy Aunt Clara or your too political Grandpa Harry, every one of them, every one of you, every one of us carries within our souls the very image of God. So lean tomorrow into that celebration. Maybe the finest thing you can do is bring your, yourself, your gentle self, your most gracious self. For indeed, that's what we're talking about on this night, isn't it? The, the gift of grace, of God's grace given to the world. If there's anything a Christian should be, a person of Christian faith should be, it's gracious. I don't like using the word should in a sermon, but bear with me tonight. I'm preaching at this moment, especially to myself. If there's anything we should be, we people who, who claim to follow the Christ, it is gracious. Many of you know the prayer, Hail Mary, full of grace. It's another way to translate one of the readings we heard earlier tonight of the conversation between the angel Gabriel and Mary. 
In Luke's original Greek manuscript of the story of Jesus' birth, the word for grace appears twice in that greeting. Hail Mary, full of grace. It's a good translation because it gets the essence of what the angel is trying to say to Mary. You are indeed the epitome of what it means to be gracious. The word in Greek for grace is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, we would spell it in English. Do you recognize the word? It's the root of the words charisma and charismatic, but it means so much more than someone who is charmingly gifted with the ability to lead a group or entertain a crowd. So much more. It means a gift freely given, no strings attached. If someone says to you, I forgive you, but that's not grace. They may say, I forgive you, and now let's work on this, whatever it might be, in our relationship together. That's how grace works. Hail Mary, full of grace. Do you know my friend Adam Hamilton told me that the word grace appears in the New Testament 170 times. That's a sign, isn't it? That grace is an important thing for us to pay attention to. The word Christian, do you know how many times it appears in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically? Three times. Never, never on the lips of Jesus, and never does the Bible define what it means to be a Christian. I love the Christian faith. I grew up in this faith. My father was a pastor. I'm an ordained minister in the, in the church of Jesus Christ. I love all of our traditions and the many different things that we do. But at the heart of who we're called to be is persons of grace, to be gracious. Consider Mary. When the angel comes to her, she has a question. How, how can this be? How can I be bringing this child of God into the world when I am yet a virgin? She has other questions as well, but eventually she reaches the conclusion. And what does she say to the angel? Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be. 2,000 years before Lennon and McCartney made those words famous, they were a sign of the graciousness within her soul. Did, did, do you know why God chose her? Was it because she has this tremendous biblical knowledge? She does, but that's not why. Is it because she has this ability to theologically understand and interpret the, the words and the knowledge that she has? Well, she does have a brilliant theological mind, but that's not why. Why did God choose her to be the one the Theotokos, the God-bearer, the one that would bring this child into the world? Because she was full of grace. Now, you might have some questions about the, the virgin birth. Trust me, I, I do as well. This is a congregation that is really known not as an answer church, but as a journey church. We're not afraid of questions. We're not afraid with wrestling those, with those kinds of things. But this night is not the night for explanation. This night is one to sit in the mystery and to pay attention to the vulnerability, to look carefully at the scene. Joseph and Mary have traveled for seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 arduous, difficult days. She may have ridden a donkey, she may not have, we don't know. 
but surely by the time they arrive in Bethlehem, they're exhausted, worn out, completely tired. They make their way to a cave or at best perhaps a stable, and then the child is born. Is there anything in this world more vulnerable than a newborn infant? He requires food from his mother's body. He needs the care of his adoptive father. Mary is exhausted, no doubt. Joseph is filled with worry and wonder and anxiety and fear and who knows what other emotions are rolling through him. It is the picture of vulnerability. You know, it's the researcher Brene Brown who's helping us see that to be vulnerable is to choose courage, to acknowledge your brokenness, your woundedness, your vulnerability is to be courageous. To do so is to open yourself up to something new, to some new beginning in your life. I wonder if we have the courage tonight to do that. I know, tomorrow, like I said, you might be hoping that everything's going to be perfect. It's going to be like a Hallmark movie perfection for Christmas. They're going to come and film Christmas next year at your house because it's going to be so perfect tomorrow. But then I got to thinking about that. I've watched a couple of Hallmark Christmas movies this month. I, yes, I, I can, I'm vulnerable enough to say that out loud. <laughs> and at the heart of both of those movies, and the more I got to thinking about it, at the heart of all of them, there's always someone who's wounded, broken, vulnerable. And they discover that the reason for the season, that the grace that is given is the fact that their woundedness, their brokenness is okay. It's there in that place that something new can begin. Think of the, the, the two greatest Christmas movies of all time. Do you know what they are? Number one is Jimmy Stewart's It's a Wonderful Life. Number two is Chevy Chase and Christmas Vacation. Now, you might have a different list. That's okay. You're still wrong, but it's okay. Just so you know. Why is it we love Christmas vacation so much? Look at the story. Oh, by the way, I need to tell you this. The very first time I watched Christmas vacation with our boys, our boys are adults now, but the very first time I watched it with them, we put, the, put in the DVD. Remember DVDs? We put in the DVD. And I, I said, I turned to both of my boys who were sitting to my right, and I said, now this movie is really about my dad, your grandfather. This is how crazy and wild he was around Christmas. Well, we got about halfway into the movie when Nate, who was our oldest and maybe in seventh or eighth grade, he grabbed the remote, he stopped the DVD, and he said, dad, this is about you. <laughs> He's right. Yes, Chevy Chase. Clark Griswold, he's goofy, he's silly, and he's also vulnerable. Do you remember the scene where he watches old home movies when, from when he was a little boy because he's stuck and locked himself up in the, in the attic? And he sits there crying as he watches those old scenes. Yeah, it's a slapstick, goofy, silly movie, but it's really a story of someone who in some way has been broken and wounded and all he wants with all the lights, with all the craziness, with all the stuff with the relatives and the neighbors and all the rest, all he wants is a moment of peace on earth, goodwill 
for it all. On this night, this may be the finest gift we can give, is simply a moment. One more thing. The great preacher Barbara Brown Taylor wonders on Christmas Eve if it's possible for us to look at the places in our lives where there is brokenness, where there maybe is a call for change, for something new to be born within us. She says, and I'm paraphrasing this sermon of hers, she says, what if that there's a shadow or a cloud or a shadow or something that's hanging over you and it feels like it's filled with anxiety and worry and fear because there's a change that's taking place in you and you can't predict the future. You can't tell what's about to happen. You can't control the story. You can't keep the narrative under check and you just don't know what's going to happen. What if, she asks, what if that cloud, that shadow, is the shadow of what Luke calls the most high, the God of gods, the God of all. What if that feeling in your stomach where you're just, because you can't say for sure what's about to happen next, what if that feeling in your stomach that is rumbling around like your own version of morning sickness is really the recognition that something new is about to be born in you? If you will simply say to the most high, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be. It's Bishop Michael Curry who is a dreamer and and one who loves to imagine the new birth that might come to us. You remember Bishop Curry, don't you? He's the the amazing preacher who delivered the sermon at the last royal wedding for Harry and Meghan. He preached on 1 Corinthians 13, and he said, there's three things I want you to know tonight. You must love God, love your neighbor, and while you're at it, love yourself. I love that part of his sermon. And while you're at it, love yourself. You see, he's a dreamer. He wants to imagine what can happen if we could love God, love our neighbor, and love ourselves. What might happen to you and to me and to our world if we could finally put those simple commands into practice? You see, he wonders, when when do things really happen? When did the change that we need really take place? He asks, were the Hebrew slaves freed from the evil of of the Egyptian pharaoh? When Moses stood before that pharaoh and said, let my people go, was that when they experienced freedom? No, he says. Was it when the the Red Sea dried up and the Hebrew nation made their way safely to the other side? Was that when they finally experienced freedom? Was that when freedom began? Is that when it began? No, he says. It began when Moses, still in the wilderness, began to converse with God and he began to imagine a world without slavery. That's where it began. On this night, what do you dream of? What do you imagine for yourself? What new beginning do you know? Do you know in your heart of hearts, in your soul, in your mind, do you know it's ready to take place, to find its way into your life? Even now, what was it that the angels said to the shepherds out tending their flocks? For unto you 
for unto you, to you, the gift of grace has been given. To you, the gift of imagination and dream has been given. Perhaps the finest gift you can receive tomorrow won't be anything under a tree. It will be the gift of imagination and the beginning of a new life. For unto us, it has been given.